0: Revolutionize your revenue stream and ROI. Prepare to experience Marketing Nirvana right now.
1: Hello listeners, welcome to Marketing Nirvana. I'm your host, Brad Gaddis, the founder of Certified Knowledge. We're a marketing training and tool set company. And on this show, we investigate various ways which your marketing efforts can reach a state of Nirvana. You can find show notes and other information about our guests on CertifiedKnowledge.org. Now, in our last show, we had we had two great guests, Todd and Charlie, who really walked us through some of the the changes with Panda and Penguin updates and how Google does more iterative updates. And, and so, I really recommend you listen to the, the, the previous show before really getting into this one, because we're going to sort of continue the conversation. But in case you haven't listened to it, our two experts are Todd Melcote, also known as Stunt Double, who has been in SEO for, for many, many years, teaches at Market Motive. And Captain Charlie Ellis is our second guest, who is the founder of Gallant Fishing Internet Marketing and has a lot of great insights. So thank you two for being back on the show today.
2: Thank you. Hoop. Glad to be here.
1: So on our last show, we kind of went through Panda and Penguin, and of updates, and, and you mentioned Hummingbird, which is not necessarily an update so much as a a way Google has kind of redefined how they look at at a query. And, and so, can you kind of explain Hummingbird to us and, and why this was so important?
2: I think the you know I'll, I'll kind of take the first half. And I think Todd will probably speak to kind of the mechanics of it. But Hummingbird is essentially the new search algorithm that Google's using. It's one that Google claimed would return, you know, quote-unquote, better results. And they told it that that they ultimately were going to use that name because it was a very precise, very specific, and very fast algorithm, but it had existed for a little while. It had actually been in the wild before it was released. So you have to think of it more like a new engine or a new, you know, machine that's powering the whole thing rather than an update because that's what it is. It just built on the infrastructure of what existed, but... It learned from almost a decade of you know being in existence, and then just really developed this new set of quantification factors that helped to really develop these truly valuable search results.
3: I think uh, it was best described as, by Danny Sullivan as a engine. You know, it was like tacking a new engine onto the car. Uh, The gas tank, the frame, the rest of the the vehicle, the rest of the search engine, the database, the the back end was all the same, Uh, but the front end and how they uh, served search results was different, and that, that allowed them now to add some additional features. Um, and we've seen lots of these features. We've seen carousel. We've seen map. We've seen images. We've seen news. All kinds of different features. Um, Dr. Pete Myers at Moz has a great deck on 85 different search features, and that's what that's what the um, Uh, Hummingbird really enabled was the opportunity to do that, to do uh, these other updates. So it was more of an engine tack-on on on the front end. It was the first time how they had handled search queries. They said they were very upfront and said that uh, they were better able to handle things like conversational search. So how they handled those, those queries and defining user intent and the type of results that they uh, returned that front end portion of that is is really what changed with hummingbird
1: and, and so this was a a big change to you know we used to talk about l s i right latent semantic indexing and and how how words are related and so forth and and this was one that also helped them break out entities of a query and then try to find pages that match the the various entities is that correct
2: it yeah re- it focused on the meaning behind words, right? It was really aiming to understand you know, the, the location that you're, ta- that you're asking from or you're querying from it. It really looked at taking that next step in understanding what a user wants as their end result, not just necessarily matching the content that is immediately relevant for that keyword.
1: So, as SEOs, and when you think of, of Google really changing how they match words, did this affect how you wrote content?
3: I think if you saw the, the writing on the wall with things like LSI, like you had mentioned, uh, you were already writing how do I, how to uh, conversational type language. Potentially it could change how, the way that you do things um, but and the way that you create that content. But if you knew that type of language ability um, and, and these changes were coming, I think you were kind of already doing that. And if you weren't, uh, those were the pages that were suffering in engagement and incurring those, those kind of panda filters in the near future after this. So what, what I think is an update is, is as a user, I
1: actually hate it because um, you can take something like – and I'm just going to make up a query here to, to illustrate a point. I don't know if Google actually does it for this query, but um, Kobe Bryant, Los Angeles Lakers uniform. Now, that's an e-commerce query looking for a page, but the entity is Kobe Bryant. Los Angeles Lakers and uniform, right? It's five entities, and and often Google might show me a page like Los that has nothing to with results. And so, personally as a user, I actually can't stand it because Google doesn't understand long tail entities and how they could be one. Um, and, and so that's why I was wondering if you had changed how you wrote you wrote content because I actually found that it forced me to use Bingmore for more exact match items. Um, how do you feel about hummingbird as, as just as a, as a user?
2: You know, um, the thing that stands out the most to me, and I'm, honestly, I'm a fan of it because it, it, you know, just from the amount of research I did, you know, when I was in school really studying information retrieval science, you know, I kind of look at the mechanism that's in place here. You know, Google might look at a query like, Miami fishing, uh, best place to go fishing in Miami and understand that the person who executed that search is probably more likely to look for like a charter boat or instead of just something generic like a place. And they're looking at the semantic relationships there. They're trying to understand that actual intent that the user had. And that's a very fascinating thing because when you look at broader you know, IR systems, they're almost mechanical in terms of the way those algorithms work because they'll say, all right, well, is this relevant? Does this meet the quality you know, uh, parameters that will match it and make it stand out against all these other results that are out there? This engine is very much tuned to look at the relationship in language and try and blend that. And it's something that's going to get better over time. You know, I understand the frustration that you, know, you may not get that exact match query that you want, but it's a learning process. And everything that Google has done to this date, you know, leading up to the production of this, uh, or Hummingbird as it stands today, was developing something that will grow, that will take the engine and the you know the product itself of search you know into that next era where search will begin to understand what you want or what you meant, even though maybe you weren't able to articulate it very clearly.
1: Yeah, which is interesting. Google now. So let's let's take your your example for a second here. So all right, so let's let's say you want to rank for Miami fishing charters, right? That's your main word, but right. you realize people are searching for best places to fish in Miami, right? Or or and, and so again, the user at the end wants a fishing charter company, but that's not what they searched for. Right. So, as you as an SEO, do you look at how you rank for that other term and say, "Oh, I don't rank. I need to make you know a page. I'm just gonna use some old school techno- terminology here. A page that talks about best Miami fishing spots, so that if Google doesn't get it right, they 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 can see my page about." You know, place and fishing in Miami, or do you focus more on on your page, which is chart And assuming Hummingbird gets it right, I mean, that's that's kind of a really big two different
2: approaches there. It is, and it's a, it's a very astute observation. The reality is, it's a little bit of both. You know, we would definitely want to focus on a core term that maybe we proved with PPC that definitely converts or generates emails or phone calls, but we also have to focus on those long tail queries. And we might write a guide, you know, best, the best places to fish in Miami or who are the best boats to fish with in Miami. So we're accommodating for that language, accommodating for the long tail while still focusing on that one or two short tail words that really makes a difference for us. It makes the work much more elaborate because you can't just take a short tail approach anymore. You really have to account for the variance in language that a prospect or a customer might use when they're researching you. and If you think about it conversationally, it's very much like sales because you want to articulate to that person who might buy something from you. You might want to address all of their questions, you might want to educate them. So if you think about it in marketing perspective, you have to produce more than ever before to be successful but you can't ignore those SEO fundamentals, those best practices that reiterate relevancy across the domain.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Great point. So let's let's take a quick break for our sponsors. And we're going to come back and, and get into the, the fourth major update, which was um, Pigeon, a little more later update from the others.
0: More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com.
3: 0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com.
0: Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana presented by Certified Knowledge work only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: So we're back talking with Todd Milcode and Charlie Ellis about updates and we kind of covered you know, Panda, Penguin, Hummingbird, so, so three of the, the big ones the last few years. But we have that one was Pigeon. Can you explain Pigeon to us a little
3: bit? So with um, Pigeon, <coughs> we get a little bit of carryover actually from Hummingbird. I think with Hummingbird, we saw the infrastructure for user intent change, and, and Google had more flexibility and opportunity to segment users by intent. Uh, both when they rec- when they find the ultimate page that they're going to, that we were just talking about, the destination URL, the page they land on, if that's relevant, if it's um, engaging to that specific individual uh, query. If it's, if it's um, relevant to that user intent. And now with Pigeon, they've incorporated more of the location services aspect of mobile. So we now have reached a point where mobile is such a large percentage of search queries and so many people have location services turned on uh, that we can use that as the center of the query. So there's a difference between someone searching for a charter fishing charters when they're in North Miami, and there's a difference between someone searching from their their iPhone for fishing charters in South Miami. If they're in South Miami, they may get results returned that include the Keys and places in South Miami. If they're in North Miami, they may get boats in Fort Lauderdale and North Miami in that pack of results. And so that concept is called um, user proximity. So the user, um, David Mim, is quoted as saying proximity, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, user location is the new pro- proximity, um, or I'm sorry, user user proximity is the new centroid, is the quote. So okay. he, he says user proximity is the new centroid because the distance from the business to the user is now more important than than ever. And that city centroid that was once important when everyone was sitting at their desktop, um, is, is a little less important. So Google's segmenting that intent, the same type of intent that they use to trigger the knowledge graph or product search or images um, to incorporate the localized data, the, the user proximity uh, to the business that they're returning the relevant results for.
1: So this is the update that drives rank checkers crazy, right, because suddenly you <laughs> might say, hey, I want to rank for the word dentist, and it's actually possible within a eight-mile radius. So so when you when you think of local, right, you've got a keyword itself, the word dentist. I'm just going to go with dentist for, for a moment. And, and so you might rank for dentist in Miami but not outside of that, and then you have the word Miami dentist, as an SEO, do you consider those the same word, or do you really consider multiple entities?
3: There's there's two concepts that are important to distinguish now, uh, is the idea of localized results, localized organic results, which are organic results that just happen to be um, local, and then the pack and carousel results, or we don't have the, the local carousel feature anymore, but the idea of it is still sound, just the map or the six-pack pack of results um, so within both either of those two features of the google results um, their entities are going to be treated in a in a diff- different way um, so i think before you even get into how entities are are handled you need to distinguish in local search that there's two um really distinct algorithms at play in in the local search results now well and, and this is the thing right so the word dentist doesn't have to be local right
1: it could be i mean because it's such a generic word it may be it may mean dental degrees it might mean you know how do i become a dentist or hey dentist nationwide and so you've got a word uh like like and dentist might not be the best example because that usually is a localized word tooth whitening right that could be a product it could be a local dental query it could be a lot of things so uh, as someone who wants to rank for like a tooth the term tooth whitening Do you have to think local when maybe you're national anyway, or do you have to add local to it even though you're an e-commerce company selling things?
2: If you provide tooth whitening or teeth whitening or whatever the keyword variation may be as a service in a particular area, then you have to factor the geo-modification of the language. If you don't do that, you're going to get tossed into this category of short tail, which is so broad that you may not be able to drill down and ultimately achieve visibility for your business. You have to identify the category that you're a part of in order to really optimize effectively. It's not an easy task, you know, particularly when you look at you know, some of the categorization provided through Google My Business or you know, how review signals factor in there. It's very difficult to make that distinction. But at the core of what you do, whether you sell a product or you sell a service, you have to distinguish between the individual elements of language that will make you visible or that your prospects might utilize to find you. And then distinguish what your business really is, because that'll put you in that relative uh, that relative map with all these other entities out there in that geography where you're trying to market.
1: Excellent. Now, now you mentioned mobile, but you mentioned mobile in the context of local. But local is, I mean, it's 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 half to you know somewhere between forty and sixty percent of searches on mobile. It's not all of them. So when you when you think of these updates, right? Panda, penguin, hummingbird, pigeon for non-geographic mobile queries. Are there two Panda updates, one for mobile, one for not? Or does it apply to both, but but Google pulls in device? I mean, how should you think about, you know, mobile... In context uh, of SEO,
3: I, I think we're getting to where mobile is finally viable to start doing things like that. I don't think they're handled that much differently at this point. So all of this, all of these updates are kind of at that convergence of uh, the the joke on on Silicon Valley, the HBO show, is every single tech crunch proposal or every startup pitch started with Salomo and it was all the benefits <laughs> of social, local, and mobile all converging. And to me they're all converging at this point of search. People are searching for things locally and social um, you know, with social validation and uh, through mobile. So mobile is just viable now. Social is kind of more viable now. But it's still all based ar- around this search. So going back to your, your example of tooth whitening so if I do a search as a user for tooth whitening and I'm in Miami, I'm going to get the dentists probably that provide tooth whitening as a service in that pack, the, the three-pack. or the, It'll probably be a three-pack for a result like that, not a seven-pack. That's all services. Um, and then in the localized organic results, I might get toothwhitening.com or something very, very highly targeted for just that product. Um, you know, in the localized search results, in the last of those five organic results that we can still see on the page. Um, so those are the two unique services, and it's a unique challenge of how you handle that, both uh, based on where you are, based on where you're doing the search from, based on what type of device, and what what your overall user intent is. And I think Google is still determining that, but they're determining that with all of these individual um, filters and updates.
1: Now, now, Google has started doing... A, a little bit of actually saying this site is good on mobile and, and actually labeling some results because, as, as we know, so many sites are are terrible on mobile. So when you think of link building or you, you think of, uh, of mobile sites, is making a mobile – dedicated site, or doing mobile links versus non-mobile links, does that really affect your SEO, or is mobile purely technical uh, from from that these the standpoints?
2: Here's, here's the insi- Here's the inside secret in the SEO community about what to do with mobile. This is something that you hear all the time, but you may not want to pay attention to. User experience must come first. There is absolutely no excuse in this day in terms of the way web development has evolved that if you run a local business or you run, you know, an e-commerce business that you're not serving a, a responsive website format. It is so easy to convert, it is so easy to leverage that technology and make that investment so that you can grow your business to engage with the fastest growing platform out there. You know, more people on their phones and tablets than ever before that's only going to get stronger. You talk to any you know, Google AdWords Enterprise representative, the first thing that they pitch to you is mobile optimization. I mean, it, it's a major initiative, and you see Google making strides to reward the businesses that are doing an excellent job providing mobile optimized site experience. So you have to step out of that marketer perspective every once in a while and just remember that usability, the actual functionality, the engagement, and the experience you provide through your website is still paramount and if you want to perform well in SEO on mobile you need that mobile optimized site experience first and foremost
1: okay I I've got to follow-up on this because responsive versus dedicated mobile sites is a big contentious issue these days so let's take a break and, and let's talk a little about, bit about responsive versus mobile dedicated sites when we get back
0: more marketing nirvana after we thank our sponsors winning leadership excellence and results as well as an a rating by the better business bureau for reach and introducing, introducing Rumble, it's a smart global management system. reserve a free consultation today at all inclusive marketing where you can make real-time radio. app modifications from a point and click dashboard want to change the design of your app point click and it's live in real time want to change the ad map of your app point click and it's live in real time want to change the content mix of your app point click and it's live in real time your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana. Presented by Certified work Only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: And we're back wrapping up with uh, Todd and Charlie uh, about SEO, and, and Charlie brought up a great point about mobile and user experience. Now, as, as someone who has tested a ridiculous amount of, of responsive versus non-responsive versus mobile sites over the years, it, in paid search, a mobile-dedicated site clearly beats a responsive design for conversion rates. Now, it means you got to maintain two sites. So we, we get into this technical issue on the SEO – Because on paid search, it's easy to split up the traffic of – if it's responsive, you have one site you're building links to. If it's mobile, you theoretically have two sites. You've got a a, a subdomain probably, and then you've got a regular domain. So when you think of taking on a a client on organic for mobile, do you – and let's say they've got a mobile site that that does convert better than responsive design. Do you try to – treat each site individually or do you work on the main site or say, Hey, we should go responsive for SEO, but we should use the mobile site for paid search. I mean, what's that conversation look like
2: from an agency perspective? <laughs> it, it can be a very complex conversation. <laughs> you know, there's certainly benefits to both sides of the, uh, both sides of that. But when we think about it in pure SEO, we think about it in context of, you know, I want to make the most impact I can in mobile you want to build as much link authority in one place. You don't want to split that. The site experience, you want that to be seamless. You want that to function flawlessly. And even though you may face detection issues or technical issues from shifting back and forth to a mobile site versus a non-mobile site, you know, when you deal with a responsive framework, you're still dealing with just that domain. And that link equity will build just on that domain. You don't have to worry about spreading it out. So yes, you can probably build that authority on a mobile site, And you may see some impact in the search results, but at the same time, you can concentrate that equity on your primary domain that's really, at the end of the day, going to be that entity that supports your business.
3: Yeah, I think there's two major concerns from a technical SEO perspective: is one the duplicate content of multiple sites, and two the the preservation of link equity and not diluting it through multiple areas. Um, and and you can solve both of those are solvable solutions. Just with what you mentioned, Brad is uh, block the you know you can have a fully mobile dedicated uh, site for paid search that's blocked. You know that you're not um, in having fully indexed by organic crawlers, uh, and and still maintain those for PPC. And then on the SEO side, uh, you know we're just concerned with that with that link equity and with not adding a bulk of pages into the index. So as long as those things are achieved, you're you're in good shape.
1: Yeah, because interesting, because you look at a site like ESPN. And, and their mobile they, for – it's been several years now. Their mobile site outdoes their, their, their basic site. It's actually nicer experience. Um, and, and so they really do have to manage them as two individual entities and, org, and SEO each individual entities. And most people aren't, as, aren't ESPN, but a, as you have certain sites which your mobile actually outdoes your desktop versions, it, it'll, I think it will make
3: a, a bigger challenge in the future and will give you guys more work. it'll give us an opportunity to redesign those old websites that really needed it anyway (laughs) is the way that i look (laughs) at it we can finally change those old terrible content management systems and those old awful urls and we can do that all in one fell swoop with the responsive design that that degradates you know effectively to a mobile phone and is still a good experience on the phone that that kind of accomplishes both things and i think you can accomplish that with a strong responsive design it's just still you know it's still new and it it wasn't ever as easy as it is to do now but it's still not easy to do now and it's still you know a big cost center and um and even though there's a lot of value in it it takes a long time to get those things type of things done in a corporate environment that has those really those level of traffic that is important.
1: Excellent. So we we've, we've been talking wow updates in SEO for about an hour now across a couple of shows. And we're about out of time. So if you had to leave someone with you know, some final parting words of wisdom of how to think about SEO going forward, right? not looking back, but what's the thing we need to think about you know, to be ahead of the curve or what, what Google's next biggest step is, what would you tell them to think about or advice would you give them for you know, the 20, 2015 SEO and, and on into the future? Todd?
3: Synergy. No, um, (laughs) but yes, in a way, bringing it all in, you know, to the different divisions of marketing and having that level of integration between paid search, between analytics, between SEO, between these other disciplines of marketing, so that you can actually um, give some attribution. You can you can only do that with good strong analytics and good strong tracking, and you're only going to get the message out with a, a good social media platform and with. Um, you know, with great content and content marketing and linkable assets, um, you need to be combining all of these efforts together. So everybody has to have a little bit of SEO education to not make mistakes and not trigger, you know, negative factors. And everybody know needs to know just enough and who to ask uh, to be effective. So I think, you know, teamwork and, and synergy.
1: Avinash would be so happy with you.
3: <laughs> and, and Charlie? <laughs>
2: I was th- you know the one thing, if I could give one piece of advice, it would be to focus on two distinct sides of optimizing your business and think of it like optimizing a business, not just your website. You would want to focus on building the relevancy of the domain, really targeting that language that's important. Focus on the strategies to really build the authority and integrity of your domain, but at the same time, that second really critical factor is, developing that usability-focused experience so that you're going to be able to satisfy what users want most when they do get to you. That is providing an extremely engaging experience that is easy to use, makes sense, is logical, is rewarding, and avoids frustration and prevents people from getting lost, will win every single time. And that's just smart business. That's just growing an entity that's going to ultimately thrive in a market because most people, realistically, struggle to deliver that. So investing in those resources will get you everywhere.
1: Excellent. That was that was fantastic. Good. Thank you guys so much. This has been um great great hour uh, of stuff to listen to and lots of good insights. If someone wants to track you down and stalk you online, where should they go look?
2: Uh, I'd say miamifishing.com. What do you say, Todd?
3: That's that's a great start. I'm pretty sure you can find us from there.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show today.
3: It's our privilege.
1: And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Mark and Nirvana. As a reminder, the show notes and other information about our guests can be found on certifiedknowledge.org. New episodes can be found on Mondays at noon Eastern, at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find the archives or past episodes at fm, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, and pretty much wherever you listen to radio. Thank you for listening.